All right. Okay. This ain't going to work for me. If y'all are literally standing behind me, ain't going to work. Move this way. Move this way. Y'all are probably okay. Brayden, Brooks, Asher, scoot this way. Scoot to your left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Remember, your chair or wherever you are seated has to be on the carpet. It's got to be on the carpet. One leg at least touching the carpet. I promise there's enough space for you, so find a spot. Find a spot maybe where you won't be distracted by somebody next to you. Like, choose who you sit by wisely. Sit by someone who's going to push you. Uh-oh. Where'd the screens go? Huh, they're there. They're back. They're back. All right. Everybody who wants a chair got a chair. We've had this conversation multiple times. What's going on with the screens? Uh, Ethan, I think those blue chairs are touching that port in the back. That is affecting the screen, so be careful of that. All right. We ready to rock? Hmm. Jordan, you don't know anything about the screens, do you? Well, they're working sort of. We'll make it happen, right? We'll make it happen. Okay. The best night is the best night because we're here to worship Jesus. We're here to grow. And I believe one of the best ways that you can grow is as we study God's word. So every single Wednesday, I'm going to get up here. I'm going to open up God's word. We're going to see what he has to say. Uh, but I kind of want to start this message a little differently. Uh, we hear a lot of my voice. That's intentional. Uh, as your pastor, I think it's important that you get to hear my voice, hear the things that the Lord is teaching me, the things that he's put on my heart to teach you. Uh, but I want to start out with a couple questions. And uh, they're questions that I actually I want you to answer. And I'm going to, I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, here's the first one. What has it been like for you to live through the pandemic and lockdowns? And here, here's the thing. I'm actually, I'm going to come out here because I want to hear some of your actual thoughts. I don't know if people ask you enough. Uh, I believe middle schoolers are really capable uh, and you guys have deep things to say. And so I want to, I want to hear what it has been like for you personally, like you don't have to speak in generalities. This is a safe spot. Listen to one another. What has it been like for you to live through these last couple of years? Mercy, tell me. It was absolutely terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Why? Because I didn't get to interact with you. You didn't get to interact with your friends. 100%. Yeah. I'm so sorry. But any, yeah, anybody, even not more than just your friends. Right. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Carson, what has it been like for you? Horrible. Horrible. Why? Right. Going places, having to wear masks, like, awful. Yep. 100% it was. Ainsley, what, what has it been like for you over the last few years? Totally. 
Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I don't know if you guys could hear Ainsley over there. Some of the things that you said, like, missed out on social events, like birthday parties, sleepovers. Um, online learning was really hard. I don't know if that, maybe that resonates with you. 100%. 100%. Sorry, Beckett. What has what the last few years been like for you, Ariana? Hard, but also easy. Hard, but also easy. Why? Ooh, the toilet paper shortage of 2020, 100%. Yeah, people were ridiculous in those stores. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Ariel, what about for you? Ooh, okay, Ariel said it was lonely because she was stuck in a house for a month, right? Lockdowns, it was pretty brutal. Lucas, tell me what it's been like for you. Dang. How did that affect your family? I don't, you guys probably didn't hear. This is really actually important. Uh, Lucas just shared that his uncle passed away during the pandemic um, from battling cancer. And I knew your uncle. He used to work here. Um, how, yeah, how has that plus, like, COVID affected your family over the last couple of years? Right. Yeah, your mom's working. It's, like, hard for her to take that time off. Right, exactly. Yeah, students missing, like, all the things that come with that, that year. That's so hard, dude. I'm going to flip the question a little bit. Similar, but slightly different. What do you wish adults, and I, like, I hardly consider myself an adult, but I, like, I'm 27 years old, so I suppose I am, uh, I know, right? Uh, what do you wish, hear me now, what do you wish adults knew about what it is like to be you right now as a middle schooler? Elliot, I saw your hand. Like, like what do you wish adults knew? That it's boring listening to politics. Ooh, okay. Elliot says it's boring listening to politics. Okay, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Somebody else, Veronica, I'm coming to you. Veronica, what do you wish like adults knew about what it's like to be you right now? Hey y'all, shh, listen, shh. Hmm, that's a really interesting comment. Veronica said like it's hard because like parents wanna keep you safe but you guys wanna have fun and do all these social things. Seems legit. Nick, what do you wish adults knew about what it is like to be you right now? That McDonald's, amazing. <laughs> McDonald's is amazing. We should go more. Uh, I co-sign that statement, 100%. Oh, Kayla. Mm. Kayla said that it's hard to find Christian friends at school. Kel, what else do you wish adults knew about what it is like to be you right now? How stressful it is? Why is it stressful for you? Seven classes a day, stressful. 100%. What? Juliana. Ooh, okay. Juliana wishes parents knew how much effort actually goes into TikToks and social media and things like that. 
Fair enough, fair enough. Esther. Mm, school is like important, but there's parts of it that you don't like and you love your family, but sometimes like you need some space. Is that accurate? Hmm. Interesting. There's probably a lot of things. Uh, I know a lot of you got journals. If you were here on launch night, uh, if you didn't uh, come see me after tonight, I'll get you one. If there's other things that you wish adults knew about what it is like to be you right now, the things that you are struggling with right now, the things that are impacting your life right now. I want you to like maybe write down a couple of things in that journal. I would love to hear those things. I think it would be something cool for your small groups to discuss uh, on Sunday if you come in or part of a small group. But here's the reason why I kind of start with questions like that. There's a reason I wanted to start my message kind of hearing from you guys instead of me just talking. Because one of the most common responses that I've heard, Ariel kind of gave voice to it too, is that it's lonely to be you. That you feel lonely a lot. That you feel lonely all the time. Those are, those are things that I've heard. So I want to do just a quick poll. I want everyone to like close their eyes and not look around. Everybody close your eyes really quick. If you feel lonely more than three times a week, I just want you to put your hand up. Like everybody, eyes closed, anonymous poll. If you feel lonely more than three times a week, put your hand up. Great, you can put your hands down. You can open up your eyes again. What I just saw in this room seems to agree with some of the statistics that I've seen recently. Uh, I did a little, a little digging into this, and before the pandemic, so think like, you know, 2019, I know it seems like forever ago, before the pandemic, one-third of adults said that they felt lonely three times a week. In 2022, that's last year. 73% of Gen Z, that's you, said that they felt lonely three or more times a week. That percentage makes you the loneliest generation that has ever walked planet Earth. Or at least as long as they've been collecting data on important things like that, right? It's not meant to be motivation. It's not meant to be a compliment. It's not also meant to be derogatory. It's just facts. It's just what the data suggests, that there are people struggling with loneliness. Here is why I'm starting there, you guys. Focus up. Shh. Here's why I'm starting with questions and statistics. If you are not careful, negative emotions can become identity markers. And when I say negative emotions, like I mean things like shame, fear, anxiety, anger, loneliness. Like if you're not careful, loneliness can become your identity. And in this series called Known, we're unpacking the concept of identity. I want you to define yourself by 
the things that God says about you. I want you to define yourself by what's true from God's word and, and not the things that are trending or popular in our culture, the things that this world would want to name you. If 73% of Gen Z feels lonely, then I have to assume that there are people in this very room who are looking for hope and who need to hear some truth tonight. So I want to help you see through to get to hope tonight. So if you kind of walk out of here with one thing, one big idea, I want it to be this. That loneliness doesn't have to define you. Because the truth of God's word is that we have a God who never leaves us. We're never alone. Loneliness does not need to define you. We're going to be back in Psalm 139 again tonight. So if you got your Bible, you can start making your way there. Uh, if you need a Bible, we always have them on those front shelves, kind of over by the front door where Grace is standing. So you always feel free to grab one of those on a Wednesday night. Um, the Bible app is the most downloaded app in the app store. So if you're going to be on your phone, be on the Bible app. Seems like a great idea. And uh, if all else fails, I always put the verses that I'm reading from up on the screen so you can follow along that way too. Psalm 139. It's like almost exactly halfway through your Bible. If you were here last week, we kind of started walking through the first six verses of Psalm 139. We saw that God, he, he knows everything. Like every shred of information that could possibly be known, God knows it. And what's so cool is in the midst of all of that knowledge, God knows you specifically. And he loves you. He loves you despite the fact that he knows all of the things that you wish people did not know about you. We used a big word, a theological term to describe that. Anybody remember what it was? Omni-something. Omniscient, that's right, omniscient. Omniscient means to know everything. And uh, we're going to look at the next six verses this week, verses 7 through 12. And there's another omni word for us this week I want us to know. The word is omnipresent. Omnipresent. That means that God is everywhere all of the time. He's never not there. He never not cares. God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. So we're going to look at Psalm 139, and we're going to see how King David, the author of this psalm, talks about, internalizes, and understands the fact that God is everywhere, that he is omnipresent. We're going to talk about why that matters especially if this is the loneliest generation on planet Earth. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, Psalm 139, it'll be up on the screen. Otherwise, here's what my Bible says. Starting in verse 7, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning and if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could, I could ask the darkness 
to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. So if God is omnipresent, and he is, then how is this the loneliest generation ever? That's the question for tonight as we try to find some hope from God's word. Remember the big idea, your loneliness doesn't need to define you. So how is this the loneliest generation ever? I want to maybe suggest some thoughts that I've been thinking about. So if you're a note taker, here's my first point tonight. That you are lonely because of the run and hide response. You're lonely because of the run and hide response. This honestly might be one of like the most universal responses ever. We try to run and hide when we've messed up, when we're scared, when we're confused, when we're ashamed. It's like we think somehow that getting like away from where the situation is occurring and like getting out of sight is somehow going to protect us, fix it, solve the problem. The response is actually so universal that it's actually like the first thing that human beings do. It's like the first thing that we see humans do in the Bible. Uh, in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, in, in chapter three, like God, you know the story, right? God, he's created everything. Create plants and animals, oceans, skies, and he creates human beings. The first two human beings, Adam and Eve. And he gives them everything they could ever possibly need, right? Like all the food they could eat. He gives them in charge, like he puts them in charge of the garden to work it, to keep it. Adam's like naming animals, like he's got a job to do. And there's just like one thing that God's really specific about, a really important rule. He's like, hey, that one tree in the garden, don't touch that one tree because you'll die if you eat it. And of course, you know the story. What did Adam and Eve do? They eat from the one tree, right? Satan, the form of a snake, deceives Adam and Eve. They disobey God. They rebel against him and they eat. I want to look at what this looks like in Genesis chapter 3. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, that's Adam and Eve, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam replied, I, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Adam and Eve, they sin. They disobey God. They mess up big time. And their first instinct, their, their natural response is to run and to hide from the presence of God. When the prophet Jonah, a lot of you guys maybe know this story too, when he was called by God to go and preach a word to a city called Nineveh, he didn't want to go. He didn't think the Ninevites were worthy of hearing the word of God, that they were so bad, so sinful that, that he didn't want to go. And so he literally 
got on a boat going the opposite direction from Nineveh. And Jonah chapter 1 says Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. This is the exact thing that King David is identifying in Psalm 139. No matter where we try to go, heaven, God's there. The grave, death, like this term for like dying and nothingness, God's even there too. The furthest ocean, the place where the sun rises in the morning, like if you got all the way there, God's still there. Even if you like tried to hide and somehow like wrap darkness around you, like nope. To God, the darkness is like light. Like we can't even hide from God. There, our natural response when we sin, when we mess up, when we rebel against God, is to run and to hide from Him. And because we do that, we feel alone, even though we really aren't. Here's why I want you to be aware of that tendency in yourself. Just because it comes naturally doesn't mean it's good for you. Just because it's your instinct doesn't mean that it is helping you. I think a huge reason, not the only reason, but a big one, that you feel alone is because you've been running and hiding. You're attempting to isolate yourself because you don't want anyone to know what's going on. We talked about this last week, right? This fear of being known and not loved. Like that's our greatest fear, that someone would know all the stuff about us and they wouldn't love us. When you're afraid that you have sinned too bad to be loved, you run and you hide. And maybe that works with other people, but I promise you, it doesn't work with God. I mean, just ask Adam and Eve or Jonah or King David. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So here's how I want you to start flipping your thinking. When it comes to those moments, and we all have them, where we sin, where we mess up, where we know, like, man, this is not what God would want from me. Instead of thinking, man, like, I messed up so bad, like, I can't tell my dad. I want you to start thinking, man, I messed up so bad, I need my dad. Like, I want you to flip your thinking. Like, don't run from God because you can't run to God because he loves you. Instead of letting your sin isolate you, let it push you towards the one who died to free you from its power. One of the reasons why you feel so lonely is because you are running away and hiding from the one person who is most equipped to help you when you are struggling with sin. God himself. But it's not the only reason. And so you might be thinking like, no, Danny, like you don't get it. Like I'm not lonely because I'm hiding from God. Okay, let me, let me offer another potential reason why loneliness might be becoming your identity. So if you're a note taker, this would be my second point tonight. 
Maybe you are lonely because God isn't good enough for you. God isn't enough for you. It's really, really easy to like read Psalm 139 like we just did and be like, yep, God is omnipresent. It's everywhere. It's harder in the moment when something's happening to remember the fact that, yes, God is omnipresent. He's here with me. It's even harder when you're in that moment to care about the fact that God is omnipresent, that he is here with me. And it's even harder, really, really hard, actually, to get to a place where deep down you truly believe that God is enough for you. You can read that God is omnipresent. Great. It's hard to care that he's, he's actually there when you feel lonely. It's really, really, really hard to believe that he's enough when you feel lonely. But you will always feel lonely until you start believing that the fact that God is with you always is enough for you. And I don't want you to hear me say that like I have it all figured out because I don't. It's actually something that I've really struggled with. I've struggled with this way more often than I would even want to admit to you. Like loneliness has been my thing. And so I would like to let you in a little bit on kind of what God has been teaching me about working through this. Uh, because there's another, another psalm, Psalm 73, that, that says something really interesting that's been spinning around in my mind. I've been wrestling with it. And I think I finally got some clarity on it this week. So Psalm 73, verse 25. Uh, the guy who wrote this psalm, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth I desire besides you. Like what? Really? Like, okay, dude, uh, there's nothing that I want besides God. What about, I don't know, food, water, shelter, clothing, family, happiness, like fun things to do with my friends. Like, it kind of seems hard to agree with the guy writing Psalm 73 that God is really all that I need. But I came across a blog post uh, written by another pastor here in the Twin Cities, actually, it turns out, uh, that kind of helped me work through this, kind of cracked the code on this for me. And so I want to share that with you. Here's, Here's what he said. He said, of the many things that I desire and need, right, acknowledging, there's a lot of things that I desire and actually need. At the core of all of them is God himself, Therefore, all that I desire and need is summed up in God alone because he's the source of all provision and the giver of every good gift. Like, I need a lot of things in order to feel like I am living a full life. And the source of every single one of those things is God. Whoa. So if you're struggling with loneliness, like 73% of your generation, I want you to come to next every single Wednesday night for the best night of the week. And I want you to come every single Sunday morning for small groups. 
not because being around other people is going to somehow cure your loneliness, but because you experience the presence of God through other people. That's one of the gifts that he's given us. That's one of the ways he meets our needs. That's one of the ways where he is actually enough for us. We experience the presence of God through other people. When you are in community with other people who love Jesus, we can see that God really is at the center of all of these things that we care about, that we desire, that we need. So come and worship on a Wednesday night with 150 other middle schoolers and experience the presence of God. And come to small groups on a Sunday morning and sit in a group with other people who are in your grade and who are your same gender and you're being led by a couple small group leaders. Like I want them to know your story and to pray for you and to encourage you and to push you closer to Jesus and you will experience the presence of God through that small group experience. And once you've started to believe that God is really all you need as you've been experiencing him through other people, then you'll realize that God isn't just present when we're in a group like this. You'll start to realize that, that God is with you when you're reading the word by yourself in the morning. You'll start to realize that God is with you when you're in class at school having an awful day. You'll realize that God is with you when you're on the sports field and you're not playing super well or you are playing really well. You'll realize that God is with you in all of the moments where you feel the most alone. So let me close out tonight's message by reminding you of the good news of the gospel. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus tells his disciples, he's not going to think about them as, as servants or as slaves. No, he calls them friends. He calls you a friend. You can be friends with the king of the universe, the one who freed you from the power of sin. That person, Jesus, wants to be your friend. The one who defeated the devil, he wants to be your friend. Friend, the one who conquered death to give you new life, he actually wants to be your friend. You're not too sinful to be friends with Jesus. In both Matthew and in Luke, Jesus is called the friend of sinners. He's not going to walk out on you. He said that he would never leave you or forsake you in Deuteronomy chapter 31. And even when people in your life are letting you down, Proverbs 18 says that there is one who sticks closer than a brother. So don't let your sin and your natural instinct to run and to hide, don't let that start to make loneliness your identity. I want you to realize and to believe that God truly is enough for you even in your loneliest moments. Loneliness does not need to define you anymore. That doesn't need to be your identity because the truth of God's word is that we have a God who never, ever leaves us. He is omnipresent. We are never, ever alone. So let me pray over you as I, as I close this. Lord Jesus, I, I just want to specifically lift up the people in this room who feel lonely all of the time. God, you know who they are. You see them. 
You're with them. You've always been with them. Lord, would you make your presence felt, especially in these moments of community when we're all here together, when we're here in worship, when we're sitting in a small group together. God, would you help us to realize that you are all that we need, that you are enough. Lord, and for the person who's in this room feeling like they don't know anyone, that they don't have any friends, that they would rather not even be here, God, would you make this the most welcoming community? Lord, would you put it on somebody's heart to reach out to someone that they see sitting by themselves, isolated, and be a friend? Lord, because we know that your spirit works powerfully like that, even through us to, to reach people. God, help us to realize the truth of the gospel. Jesus, that you want to be our friend. God, I pray that that would blow our minds again and again and again. We wouldn't get over it. We wouldn't get past it. It wouldn't become old news for us, but it would be the best news, the news that we need again and again and again every single day. Jesus, thanks for this time. Thanks for your word. Thanks that it's true. I love you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen.